Well, good morning, Sunrise. I want to express my appreciation for all of you of making sure you're socially distanced and nobody's sitting in the front three or four rows. <laughs> I noticed that as I walked up here this morning. So a few announcements regarding Christmas season and Advent and all the things that we got going on. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to have a, a program from the kids, and they're, gonna, they're videotaping that and editing it and putting it together. So we're going to be able to have all the kids up here and do it in an a socially distance appropriate way and yet we get to see their faces and we get to hear their voices and we get to see them uh, bring praise to our savior and so we're excited about that uh, ministry opportunities coming up this coming week is santa's helpers and many of you have volunteered for that in days past and there's needs again um, it's going to be different normally they set up in here and they have a big meal and they hand out presents and but this year they're not going to be able to do that, and so it's going to be kind of a drive-through service in which they will have presents prepared, and they'll have a meal prepared, and the families can just drive through and pick all that stuff up. And so they need help particularly on the morning of the 19th of December, which is this Saturday, this coming Saturday, to begin to get the food prepared and all those things. And Julie Harshberger is the one from Sunrise that's in charge of the meal prep for all that. And so if you want to get a hold of her, if you'd like to help with that, particularly on that Saturday morning, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're excited about our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be different than what we've ever done before, which is kind of what 2020 has been, a year of doing things differently. Uh, we're going to have a drive-in service at the pavilion parking lot, so we have accommodations for lots and lots of cars. And it's going to be at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Uh, we're going to have, um, be able, we're going to serve um, hot apple cider and a goodie bag for everybody as they come in um, to park, and hopefully we've got that organized so that it can go quickly. We'll have um, invitations for you to hand out beginning next Sunday for your friends to come to, and if the weather's particularly nice, we'll have some hay bales set up in the front so that if you want to get out and bundle up and, and enjoy the service live, you can. I just was, as I was thinking through the, the Christmas story and kind of starting to prepare my thoughts for that evening, I just thought about just the different ways in which uh, we worship and, and the different ways that God has caused us to have to worship this year. And so the object of our worship does not change, and that's Jesus Christ whose birth we celebrate at this time of year. But the means and the specifics and the methodology in which we, we minister and reach out to people, it, it changes based on right now what we're allowed to do and, and what, is, what, is, um, what health consciousness requires. Wow. <laughs> that wasn't the point I wanted to emphasize, Curtis, but that's okay. All right. And then we just want to remind you to continue to, to pray for those prayer requests. We, it seems like we've just kind of had a flurry of needs over these past weeks. Uh, we want to give you some updates. Boyd is continuing to, uh, Boyd Yike continuing to improve slowly. Um, it takes time to, to recover from the symptoms of COVID. Um, Autumn Edwards is, is doing well. Um, Seth Bartness that, that we sent out a text to have you pray about, he was released from the hospital yesterday. Of course, he had a stroke, and so there'll be some recuperation time. Uh, I got a prayer request this morning from Mary Lynn Jenkins and her 
grandson, Trey Heil, is being taken to Children's Hospital. He's been running a high fever over the last several days, and so they're requesting that we pray for him. And then, of course, continuing to pray for Gene Haynes that we um, sent out the text message about. So just lots of prayer needs along with the normal stress of the holiday season and, and all the things that we're under. So let me take a minute and just have a word of prayer, and then we'll have our Advent video for this morning. Father, we're grateful that we have hope, not only in this season in which we celebrate your birth, but but year-round, and that hope comes because you have done what is necessary for us to be made right in your eyes, that through the birth and ultimate death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We pray, Father, that as we walk in our community and as we walk among those that have no hope, that we would be beacons of light, uh, that the hope that we have within our hearts would shine out and that we could be an encouragement and hope to those that, that we come in contact with. Father, we continue to pray for those that, that have physical needs among us, and we lift those before the throne, recognizing that, that you alone, Father, have the power to intervene and to heal and to move on behalf of those that have these needs. And so we pray, I, I just think specifically of Trey this morning, that, uh, Father, you just would be present, that you would give wisdom to those that are attending him, and that you might be pleased to, to bring healing to, to his young body. Father, we ask that you would empower our worship and our time together this morning. Uh, We want to leave here this morning feeling like in our hearts that we have heard from the Spirit of God and that you have moved in our hearts and you, you have spoken to us at the place in which we each are in our walk with you. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Who likes snow? Anybody? Yeah. Man, it's, it is cold and getting ready for Christmas. I love the snow when it comes. And um, I, I really appreciate Brad reading, reading that verse, um, those verses, because we're going to walk through just those five verses today. And my prayer is that, that we would just, we would enter this story, that we would leave understanding a little deeper what Jesus came to do and how he called his followers to live in, in light of that. And so we've been talking about coming to the table. And if you remember right, uh, Brent kind of talked about how the table is this place of provision. We get our needs met. Um, we, God nourishes us through, through this, this, uh, this thing called the table. And, he, and we, we often pray and we thank God for the food because he gives provision for us daily. And that's why we pray. Um, the table is also a place where we sit around equally and, and we experience equality at the table. Um, at, at my house, we have a, an absolute square table and everybody sits around and, and there's, there's no judgment. We, we usually don't talk about school and, and just stuff that's, you know, that they don't want to talk about. But we just, talk, we just talk about life. And so it's this place of, of provision and, and equality and protection. Um, and, and so today we're going to talk about sitting with them at the table. And, and as we walk through this passage, I want you to think through who's the them in your circle? Who's the, the group of people that you would say, man, I, why would you sit with them? If you would have been the, the Pharisees in that story, who would you have saw Jesus sitting with and said, how could you do that, Jesus? And Jesus likes to flip everything upside down, and, and, and we'll see that 
as we walk through this story. Um, but I, I just like to pray for us again that, that God would just open our heart. God, just help us as we walk through your word today. Help us to see things um, that, that even I don't express. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be moving in this place to help just enlighten your word and help us understand your heart for people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's walk through this passage starting in verse 13. And we'll have it up here on the screen or in your bulletin. And uh, it starts out by saying, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Now, you, you guys are going to be scared if I stop at every sentence. But I want, I want to talk about, what, what's, what do you mean, the lake? He was just in Capernaum. Capernaum's above the Sea of Galilee. And so he's, he's hanging out in this area where, where there's, this, there's this big uh, body of water. And a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. Large crowds were, were coming to Jesus. Why? Because he was, he was, he was known as somebody who was going to heal people. He was casting out demons. I mean, imagine if that happened today. People would, they would come out in droves. Because in our world today, there's sickness. There's demonic uh, things that happen even, even today. And, and so people were coming out. They wanted to be healed. They wanted Jesus to, to touch their lives in some way. And so at, the, at this particular point, he is teaching them about the kingdom of God. And in chapter 1, we see that he said, uh, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news that Jesus is here. And, and so that is what he's teaching about. And we can see all the, all the topics that Jesus would go through in the Sermon on the Mount. But I think these were similar things that he was, he was walking through and announcing the kingdom. It goes on to say, as he walked along, he saw Levi. As he walked along, Jesus was going about his life and, and, and just walking through the, the towns and the villages and along the, the, by the lake. He wasn't necessarily going out of his way. And for us, as we go through our lives, as we are, are in our jobs, we can be on mission. It, we don't have to all be uh, pastors to be used by God, right? We just need to live our lives and take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us, just like Jesus did in this situation. As he walked along, he saw Levi. He saw Levi, and who was Levi? He was a tax collector. He was a Jewish man who had sold himself out to basically take taxes from his own people and typically probably took more than what he should have for the Romans. And so he was not very liked by the Jewish people. He was not liked. And so for, for Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, to come to Levi was kind of like, whoa, what's, what's Jesus doing? And we'll see how, how the reaction was of the religious folks. But he, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector booth. And we're going to go, through, go uh, back to this word, saw. But I th- remember this word, he saw Levi. And, and I'll come back to it later. But Jesus says to him, Let's go to the next verse. Follow me. 
Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Guys, Jesus, I believe, saw Levi for who he truly was. He, he saw into this man. He saw that, that he, he had a need. He didn't just look at what Levi did or, or what, what Levi represented. He saw that this man was somebody that, that needed to follow him. And so he doesn't, he just cuts to the chase and he says, Levi, I see something that you don't even see in yourself and I want you to follow me. And so Levi immediately got up and followed him. He left his tax collector booth. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. Guys, Levi invites him to his, or Jesus comes to his house. Now that's a big deal. Like, if, if I uh, order a bunch of pizzas for, for, uh, for our youth group, man, everybody comes out. But in this culture, if you were going to eat a meal with somebody, it was kind of a big deal. You were saying that, that you were in close relationship with them. And so Jesus eating at this man's house represented something, a relationship, a connection. It was a big deal. And, and, and he's going to be ridiculed for it. So when the, ta- when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with them? Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now let's go back. Le- Levi's name means joiner. means joiner. He had, Levi had joined up with the wrong side of the tracks. He had, he had joined basically the, the, the devil in his work rather than joining God. And Jesus is saying, come join me. Again, the Jews were, were, hated these tax collectors and, and, uh, because of what they represented. Levi sold himself out to the material things of this world. It is so easy for us in our day and age to, we, we start following Jesus and then the things of this world creep in. And we start thinking we need all the stuff. And we need, to, we need what everybody around us has, right? It's like, man, I got to get that next flat screen TV. I got to get that, the next phone that's coming out. Man, I wish I had the iPhone 12. And, and we just... We keep going and, and we sell ourselves out to the things, the material things of this world. And I think that's where Levi was at. So Levi is, he's at a crossroads. But Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. And that was a big deal. I want to ask you guys a question. If Jesus said, follow me. Would you get up like Levi did and follow him? Would you leave the thing that was your identity, was your, 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 your resource, your everything, and would you follow? Who are you following? There are so many uh, people and movements in our day that we follow. 
More than any other time, I believe, there's, there's all kinds of causes and, and things. And, and Jesus is simply, I, I think, calling us back every single day to say, are you going to follow me? Or are you going to follow all these other things that are out there? Let's go back to that, to that verse. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with them? Guys, this is why Jesus came. He came for the them. He came for the tax collectors and sinners. He, he says in that next verse, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus was announcing his very mission statement for his life. Why he came. He came not for people who think they have all the rules figured out, all the, the, the stuff figured out. He came for those who know they don't. Guys, I've been there. I've been to that place of, of complete and utter brokenness where I'm like, God, I need you so bad right now because I've messed up my life. And I believe those are the people that Jesus wants to say, follow me. Because I have something so amazing for you. And I have, I have a mission for you to accomplish also. Jesus points out two kinds of sicknesses um, in this passage. There, there's, there's two kinds. One is people that need God. And the other is people who need God's heart for other people. Think about that. The Pharisees didn't have God's heart. They might have had all the, all the rules and, and things down. They, they, they memorized parts of the Bible, but they didn't have God's heart. In that moment, they were not seeing Levi's need for God. They just saw what he, wasn't, what he was doing, that he was hanging out with all these sinners and his tax collector friends, and taking money. But Jesus saw inside that man. There's something pretty amazing about this story because this same story shows up in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 9.9, 9, um, there's a story about Matthew, the tax collector. Wait a second. I thought it was Levi. Possibly another name for, for Levi was Matthew. So you're telling me that Levi wrote a book of the Bible? Quite possibly. The book of Matthew. Now we don't know that for sure. But it just shows me that God can take ordinary people, people from crazy backgrounds, and use them to do extraordinary things. Guys, do you believe that? That God can take a, an absolute sinner who was, you, you know, even, even like a guy like Paul the Apostle, who was killing Christians, and take them and use them for his mission and his kingdom in incredible ways. Matthew, uh, Matthew's account adds this other detail where it says that Jesus doesn't, des doesn't desire sacrifice but mercy. If you look up um, the account of this, of this story, 
It adds that one detail. And I think that means that God doesn't desire all the, all the surface things. He doesn't desire us to f- just follow all the rules, but to live a life of mercy and kindness and love. See, the Pharisees were always judging Jesus on whether he was healing people on the Sabbath, for example. And Jesus is like, wait a second. I, this, the Sabbath was set apart for me to do something merciful and kind, not to just be something that, that we served, but something that served the people. The other amazing thing about this story is that Jesus models for his disciples what it looks like to to carry out his mission. He's always bringing people along with him. One of my most amazing mentors uh, taught me something so valuable. He, He would never do anything without taking somebody else with him. And so if we were hanging out with um, with other youth when we were doing youth ministry together. It was like, well, let's bring this person along with us. Let's, let's bring this person along with us. It was an opportunity to teach them, to model for them this life of Jesus and disciple. So as you are going out and doing things, maybe, maybe you're on the, uh, the setup team at Sunrise Church. Bring somebody with you. Hey, we're going to go set up some chairs on Sunday morning. Why don't you come with us? It's an opportunity to build into somebody's life, right? Hey, we're going to go, we run the coffee ministry, which I so appreciate the coffee ministry. I'm a big fan. Um, Why don't you come with us? And we're going to make some coffee for everybody on Sunday morning. It's an awesome ministry. Guys, We can bring others along like Jesus did and model this life of mission, living on mission for Jesus like he did. We talk about this word disciple-making a lot, right? Anybody hear that term, disciple-making? Well, it's it's actually a biblical term, but uh, Paul tells Timothy to entrust the treasure of the gospel to reliable men who will teach other reliable men. So I'm going to have a couple of young, young men come up for me. Um, Camden and Braxton, can you guys come up here? I talked to them about five minutes before um, the songs were done. Now, these young men, one of, one of these guys is in the middle school ministry, and one of them's in the collision junior, right? Yeah. So I kind of... I, I know Braxton a little bit better because he's a middle schooler. and um, So this idea of disciple-making is that I teach Braxton, and Braxton teaches Camden. And Camden teaches Cole. Yeah. So I'm only a disciple-maker when it has gone to Camden and Cole, right? So disciple-making, it doesn't just end with Braxton. It goes on. Paul says, teach reliable men to teach others, to teach others, to teach others. Right? So are you a good disciple maker, Braxton? Well, you'll know when Cole gets it, right? Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Give them the hand. Woo! 
I know they were nervous because they were like, what's he going to make me do? I was like, just, just stand up here with me. I promise it'll be easy. So when we make disciples, guys, we have some incredible things at our fingertips. We have Christ's authority, his death, burial, and resurrection. We have Jesus' example for us. We have the Bible and the Holy Spirit guiding us. And the last thing we have is we have partners in this ministry. We aren't doing this alone. In this room, there are planters and there are waterers. Some plant the word, some water. God brings the growth, right? So we are, we are on this mission together. And I think we, we, we often, we don't use each other like we should in a, in a good way. We should use each other. We should say, hey, can, can, you, can you spend some time with, with my friend uh, Joey? Because I shared the word with him last week. Can you, can you encourage him this week? Guys, we are, we are so kind of narrow focused when, we, when we're on mission and we think that we have to do it all, right? No, we have this whole body of believers to do this thing called disciple making. Guys, the interesting thing, though, about the New Testament, after you get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul doesn't use this word disciple anymore. He uses the word imitate, imitator. So this, this concept of, of disciple making kind of changes a little bit because I'm not trying to make a bunch of Pauls, right? That'd be terrible. My name's Paul. Um, but if I, just, if I create a bunch of Paul disciples that look like me, are they going to look like Jesus? Well, not all the time. But if I'm imitating Jesus and imaging him and, and, and pointing people to Jesus and his character, then in turn I'm making little Jesuses instead of little Pauls. We don't want to make a bunch of people like us. We want to let people be who they are in their personality, in their gifting, in their unique way that God has made them. I want Braxton to be Braxton, and I want Camden to be Camden. But I want them to, mo- I want them to look like Jesus. So Paul, Paul uses the word imitate. Let me, let me just take you guys to a quick uh, passage in Ephesians. If you have your Bibles... Ephesians 5.1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, that's how I remember it. Um, <clears throat> Paul says, be imitators of God, <clears throat> therefore, as dearly loved children. <clears throat> so since you are loved by God, imitate God. This is amazing because we can't imitate God unless we understand what he's done and how amazing he is and how kind he is. I imitate God the best when I understand that I am loved unconditionally by God, right? Then I'm, I'm free to love others 
I'm free to love my enemies. I'm free to love them because I'm not worried about them loving me. I'm worried about God loving me. Imitate God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. Guys, the freedom of that comes when I understand that I am unconditionally loved. And then I can sit with them at the table. I can sit with people that that don't agree with me. And I can love radically. Paul also says in Ephesians 4, uh, 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Again, we do these things because of what God has done in us, how he has forgiven us. So I want to challenge you guys. I want to invite you guys to this incredible mission of seeing them at the table. And it starts with accepting this amazing gift. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of, of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know that the, the wages of sin, like we, what we all deserve, is death because of our sin. But Jesus is our ticket to, to eternal life and righteousness and living a life for him. And then Jesus invites us to follow him. That involves giving up our own way, taking up our cross, and following him. We have to, before we follow him, we have to give up our way, take up our cross. This is a tough, tough thing. So just to kind of re-sum it up before we close with a song. How did Jesus do it? He had compassion. He met Levi and he changed his whole reality. And Levi ends up bringing other people along. Guys, Jesus invites us to do the same thing. He invites us to follow him and then bring others along with him and make disciples. So let's pray together, and then we'll sing a song. Father, I just thank you, first of all, for just loving us unconditionally. God, I thank you for this this invitation every single day that we wake up to follow you and set everything else aside. God, I, I, I just pray that, that we would remember to spend time with you, to spend time in your word, to spend time with, with uh, getting to know your heart so that we can not make disciples of us, but make disciples of people that look like you, Jesus. God, help us be those kinds of people. Speak deep in our heart. Show us the next steps. Show us the people that you want us to build into. Show us the Levi's. God, we need your help. We thank you for this season of Advent. It pulls us back, reminds us of your hope and your joy. 
I pray that we would just sing with all of our heart the joy that we have in you this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.